You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. With the college basketball season now well underway, it's the best time to sign up for Midco Sports, plus your streaming destination for University of North Dakota hoops, as well as football, volleyball, soccer, softball, and more. Midco Sports Plus, the home of the Summit League Network, which you can watch for free this weekend, January 25th through the 27th. Sign up for your free trial today at midcosportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 13 of this season, episode 147, Bill. Creeping closer to the century and a half mark. Bill Shaves, Alex Heller with you. Bill, how are you today on a Tuesday morning, the 23rd of January? I couldn't be better, Alex. It's always good to see you. And it uh, looks like the temperature gauge is ra- uh, raising a little bit here in Grand Forks, which is awesome. It's been a lovely reprieve from the Ooh. deep freeze the last couple of weeks. I know we always, it feels like we always talk about weather at the top of the hour, but it, it, 30 degrees when you've been in negative 15, negative 20 degree weather, 30 degrees feels awesome. What a, what a change perspective. Right. So, so I'll, I'll try to put this in context so we can uh, bridge into our guest. Uh, so when we flew to the NCA convention, I found it interesting. It's just perspective in life. As you checked into the hotel, it was cold in air quotes in Phoenix, and they had outdoor heaters working. You know, I think the cold was somewhere around 50. 51, uh-huh. 52. So, uh, but they were chilly. <laughs> they were very, very cold as we checked in. Again, just depending on what you're used to, 50 can feel cold, 30 can feel warm. All depends on where you're from and what that's you've been right. dealing with. So, you mentioned NCAA convention. That's going to be a big part of the first half of this podcast today because that, as you said, just was two weeks ago in Phoenix. You were there, as was our special guest today, a pod debut for the 13th president of the University of North Dakota, Andy Armacost, joining us to talk about a number of things. Andy, first off, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks. This is a thrill to be here, especially on Bill's 147th episode. <laughs> Oh, they didn't think they were going to, it was going to last, let's just say 47 episodes, right? But now we're at 147. Holy cow. It's almost your sesquicentennial episode. <laughs> That's why he's the president. Well, let's dig in. Obviously, this was a big thing. There's been so much conversation in recent months about changes to the NCAA. Of course, Charlie Baker's now the president. This was sort of his first real convention, right? Because he had been in power sort of last year when this came around, but this really was the first one where he had a chance to talk about his platform and what he wants to see in the NCAA. What were some of your takeaways from the experience in Phoenix and some of the big talking points that came from the convention this year? Those conventions, uh, anytime you gather leadership among our athletic programs across the nation, there are certainly rich discussions that happen, rich conversations. Um, Most of the really interesting ones are actually between the formal parts of, of the convention. And, um, and so there, of course, there was a lot of chatter about the new framework that uh, Charlie Baker had put forward, um, what's happening with name image likeness, what's happening with uh, transfers. And, um, you know, uh, the, you know, President Baker gave his, uh, his presentation. It was a short presentation to, to kick off, and he highlighted a number of those areas. But, uh, you know, what really impressed me um, is the, when you have the ceremonies that honor our student-athletes and our student athlete alumni, um, you just, you're reminded of the importance, just globally speaking, of what the NCAA has done for decade upon decade to support student athletes. And you're reminded of kind of the purity of sport and the impact that, that, that being a member of a team and, and competing at those highest levels has on one's success in life. And so um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just a reminder of the importance of collegiate sports, but that also reinforces um, the how essential it is for the NCAA and all of the athletic enterprise to get this right, uh, because we have to have to make sure our student athletes are front and center, uh, that they're getting the education, that they're getting the, the the background that they need to go be successful in life. Sports, uh, it, it's fleeting, right? It's been fleeting for a number of us who played collegiately. Um, what what endures is the education and the experiences, the leadership experiences they get when they're here as student athletes. And that was front and center for me, Bill. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Armacost uh, touched on it. 
we did meet uh the summit league did meet uh, uh there had a pretty robust meeting and what was interesting was it didn't have to follow like a a formula that we normally follow during the 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 fall and the in the spring meetings those are kind of business sessions that you have to get done to to kind of look back and look forward about what you're doing in your conference we were able to have some maybe more global conversations philosophical conversations and yeah i think andy's right i i think we're we're in a moment right now. I, I mean, you can call it disruption, you can call it whatever you want, but we're in a moment that we've got to try to get to the next thing that intercollegiate athletics is going to be, especially at the division one level. And I think probably one of the more unique sessions that we all went to because Eric Martinson was down there, our deputy athletic director, and Liz Jarnigan, our senior women's athletic uh uh, senior women's administrator, she, you know, we had a night commission uh, who does some pretty good work um, uh, trying to assess what is transpiring in, in division one athletics or intercollegiate athletics. And I thought that session was good. It's a reminder of what's coming in, in the, in FBS at the highest level, when it goes from four, four teams in the playoffs to 12 and really the, I, I would say the push and the pull of what FBS football means and in some ways doesn't mean to the NCAA. And I think that's kind of something that President Baker is probably trying to wrestle with at, at this stage of the game. Is that fair, Andy? I mean, I, I know you've, yeah. you've seen a couple sessions with the Knight Commission. They're always kind of interesting. They are. And one thing that emerged from that conversation, uh, as the Knight Commission presented their work, they talked about the 32 Division One conferences. Um in, in college sports. And uh, there, are, there are, in fact, more than that. Uh, what they were counting are the multi-sport conferences. And, and Bill, you and Alex both know uh, that um, we actually belong to two single sport conferences, both for hockey and for football, the NCHC and the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And our presence there and our, our voice has to continue to be heard that these single sport conferences are an essential part of, of the NCAA. And the voice we need to make sure the voice of those single sport conferences are heard, either either directly or somehow channeling uh, information through the multi-sport conferences. But uh, it, it's vital. And and I think if the Knight Commission is only talking about 32 conferences, then certainly the NCAA is only talking about those. So we need to amplify our voices across all of the conferences that we're members of and make sure our voice is heard about what we like and what we don't like about the proposals coming forward. That's interesting. I, I had a chance to chat with Michael Weissman this past weekend within the NCHC, and he had kind of said the same thing, that Heather Weems at the convention was able to have some of those conversations as well and just kind of alert people at that highest level, at the president level of the NCAA, the administrator level, that these these other conferences exist, that it isn't just that 32 number, that there's more than that. And it's um it's just a reminder that there is so much going on within the NCAA that it is really important to be able to raise your hand and speak up and say, this is what's happening in our world. This is what's important to us, which is why it's so great that you both were able to attend. Yeah. And, and as Bill said, you know, there's just this time of uncertainty. Um, our voice really matters during that uncertainty. And, uh, you know, just a lot of, a lot of change happening and a lot of proposals coming forward. Yeah. We're hoping that we can, um, you know, get to a place, uh, but it, I, I, Here's what I do worry about, Alex, is our is the timeline, so to speak. I, I I feel like things need to be done actually yesterday, not not on a on a framework that that looks ahead actually to potentially putting some things in place by the by maybe August, the beginning of the school year to some degree, but then maybe having a conversation next January at, at the at next year's convention. I, I don't think we have that luxury right now. I, I think at this point in time, we're, we're seeing that it, it feels as if we're getting um, sued as an association. It feels almost on a daily basis. So, so something's going to happen. It's either going to happen judicially. I mean, we're trying to figure it out legislatively. I, I just don't know if the timing is going to marry up as far as all the, uh, I guess, push and pull that's happening right now in, in, in the association. In terms of actionable things, I know that President Baker had released, I think you had called it a manifesto, I think, in a recent podcast, but some of the things that he wanted to see done or things that he was looking at advancing. Did you feel like the convention body was receptive to some of those things? What, were, what was that dialogue like when you're talking about the direction in terms of paying student athletes or do I, those sorts of things? What did you see come from the convention out of those areas? I think President Baker's in a tough spot. 
and he's trying to figure out on a very macro level how to do some things to try to keep these 350 or 60 or so Division One programs that range uh, dramatically uh, uh, together. And I'm just not sure how it's going to play it uh, going forward at this stage. I think he's got a little bit of a whack-a-mole going right now because once you start doing one thing, two or three things happen that you're not anticipating on the other side. So on a specific nature, Alex, I I think actionable. um, I still think we need to deal with uh, FBS football at the highest level. I I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I would say once that gets discussed and figured out what i do worry about is our what this country loves is march madness both on the men's and the women's side right at the end of the day i worry about that having a different look in the next several years i i think everyone loves that first weekend when david's playing goliath and then they also love weekends two and three as well i mean for a lot of different reasons i i worry about where we're headed and that first weekend could be impacted i know i'm not i i, I sound like johnny Raincloud on this podcast and i don't mean <laughs> to be but at the end of the day i think you need to be realistic that we are in a moment and i think we have to the, Moments give you opportunity too, and I think mm-hmm. that we have to think through. Uh, you know, how can we still service our student athletes, but provide something that's connected to the academy and tethered to to education? And I think we can't lose sight of that. One of the key votes um, that happened. So the Division One Council voted uh, to make some additional changes to the name, image, likeness rules, and and how those those play out. I think in general those were, were positive. I, I, they're really looking. Uh, to, to better protect the student athletes. Uh, the challenge, of course, is NIL is this kind of this um, real challenge overall, right? That it's it's growing in its scope and scale, and um, and so I think the council really wanted to put some at least a few limits in place or support mechanisms to make sure student athletes are taken care of, given uh, kind of the uncertainty and the how, how monolithic this NIL thing has become. Um, so that that was. That was one action that I thought was good. Um, the other is a lot of the discussion, as Bill said, is around FBS football. Um, and the, the new framework is about how to kind of upend or how to counteract perhaps some of the lawsuits that are, are happening uh, against the NCAA. How do, you, how, do you, how do you make the NCAA operate the right way uh, without the threat of lawsuits? Um, the challenge, of course, is that's all directed at, at the, the profitable um, athletic programs. Um, there's the 300 or 400 of, of the rest of us who um, who don't fall in that category. And what we need to make sure is that our voices are heard, as I said earlier, about how, how does the NCAA continue to support um, college sports um, the way uh, it, I, I hate to say this, but the way it, it has been, the way that it has been offered uh, for the benefit of student athletes. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so I, all, all, to be said, Alex, I, I think good conversation, they're just complex issues. And and I think any entity such as the government uh, or even the courts, I, I, I think we have to continue to figure out how to help ourselves. And that that's with the you know leadership of presidents, uh, leadership of President Baker and his staff, and and then the practitioners. I, I think need to uh, you know be thinking it through, along with the voices of our students. Obviously, they're the ones that are participating as well. So I think everyone pl- needs to play a role, and 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 really you do have to use your voice because we're in a moment. I mean, you know, this thing that we love. Over the course of, you know, since that first rowing, uh, you know, uh, match back in whatever, 18, 1859 or 1860, whatever it was. I mean, we, we've loved this and we are different. It, it, this country is different because of that. And so we it, it, we need to figure out what the next the next step is. And so hopefully hopefully we'll get there. But I, I hate to say there wasn't any sort of magic pill that came out of Phoenix. There never is, though, right? No. I think that's the thing. It's it always take, evolves. It, it evolves, and there are going to be conversations and dialogue, and you hope compromise from some of the bigger schools to the smaller. And 
you hope that those things can continue. I'm curious, Andy, as a university president, how do you see your role in, in these discussions and as we, as we try and preserve what's been there for the better part of 150 years? What do you, what do you see that as? Well, there, there are certainly opportunities to take part of conventions like, like we did, but that's, again, the benefit there was informal discussions. And the, the importance of my role and, and my colleagues is to have those conversations within conferences, um, to talk about how uh, our conferences are impacted by the proposals that are coming forward. And that, that engagement, that conversation has to happen frequently. And, uh, and, but it's still kind of a moving target, right? Coming from the NCAA, there's with, with this proposed framework, uh, there, there just has to be a lot of, of discussion. And, and then there are, uh, through the conference commissioners, uh, their voices will be heard uh, through the, the whole governance system of the NCAA. And uh, it just, we, we have to take an active role. And furthermore, we have to take a, a stance that that says um, these are student athletes, right? They're students first and, and athletes uh, second as a part, an important part of their life on our campuses, but we owe it to them uh, to set them up for life and sports is a way to do that. And we can't lose sight of that. Yeah, and the other thing is to add on to what Dr. Armacost just said, and it may be uh, underscore because he uh, he hit on the student-athlete piece. I know there's a lot of conversation regarding employment. I think there's a lot of lot of pieces to that puzzle. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't have a, a JD, and I certainly don't know employment law how that would work, but I, it would seem, you know, that's just another rabbit hole of conversation that I guess could happen at some point in time. It might be the right thing to do. I'm not sure I've seen, uh, let's just say that the, the actual uh, reasoning to, to, to make me flip in that direction at this point, because I, I don't, I think there's a many of our student uh, athlete advisory groups right now that have opposed it. Actually, they like exactly what's transpired at this point. So there's kind of a, there's a push pull there. So I'm just not sure where that heads, Alex. And I think that's the challenge that we all have at this point. Yeah. Was that a big rallying cry either for certain people at the convention to say, we need to make this push to pay our students. What did you see in that regard? I think at the highest level of, of football, there's, there's a conversation that, you know, I, whether you want to say collectively bargained in some way, shape or form on, you know, how that would all work today, we're kind of doing it through the NIL lens uh, at, at this point. And I'm not sure that was the intent of how it was supposed to start, uh, how it was supposed to go, but it has ended up that there's basically pay to play, but it's just through another mechanism. And I've, I've heard some say, that employment would be bad. I've heard others say formal employment would be much better than the backdoor employment that's happening through NIL because we'd be able to actually control it and and, and deal with it um, openly. Um, so it, it, I've heard both sides. Um, I have heard uh, kind of top-notch coaches um, say, well, the players deserve to make money as employees because look how much I make as as a coach, right? So, um, so coaching salaries are, as they get hired, there's this, I don't know if it's a sense of guilt or a sense of fairness that they're, <laughs> they're offering to their players. But, um, but we hear that repeatedly from some of the, the top football coaches in the nation that, that they, they feel that the, the players like them should, should, should be employees of, of the university. Last one for me and probably last one for the pod and we'll let you go because I know you're busy. But uh, I, and again, we, uh, we probably have some folks that maybe never heard the fact that you did play baseball for Northwestern. So kind of give that story. I, I love that story. So I, well, I was a competitive high school pitcher. Um, we were state champions during my senior year in high school. Um, but during that season, my arm went bad, um, but I was on on track to be uh, what's called an invited walk-on. I was an, an Air Force ROTC scholarship student and an invited walk-on to play baseball at Northwestern. And when I was a freshman, I had a a, uh, a great set of teammates. It was a really strong uh, program. And uh, the catcher, uh, the, the dominant catcher was a guy named Joe Girardi, uh, who had a oh. long career in professional baseball <laughs> and uh, as a manager. And just a, he's an extraordinary human being. Um, and uh, I like to joke that the reason I stopped playing, my career lasted three months. Um, and I like to say that the reason I stopped playing was because Joe would throw it back to the mound faster than I could pitch it. 
That's when I knew my days were numbered. <laughs> I think he gave was, you a compliment too. He said, you're a pretty good student too, Andy. Uh, you might want to concentrate on that. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, when, when school is, is much more fun than baseball, um, you have a, a, an easy choice to make, right? Because yeah. the class, class was fun. Chemistry class was awesome. And, uh, and baseball because of the sore arm and the struggles was becoming less fun. So it was time to make that choice. Oh, I think you made the right decision instead of yeah. trying to hang on. Andy worked out okay. Aaron. Worked out okay. You know, MIC, Brigadier General in the Air Force. I mean, things things worked out okay in the end. It sure did. <laughs> That's right. I th it's a great story, Alex. And uh, Andy does a great job when we have recruits uh, on campus. And if his schedule allows and our coaches ask him to meet with them, you know, it's always fun to, to hear that story because – there's perspective from his chair, which uh, not not all presidents have, and uh, and it's uh, we know how hard our, our student athletes have to work, and you know they're gone a lot. They're representing the institution, so uh, we appreciate uh, Dr. Armacost's support for sure. You know that's that's the biggest thing. It's not these goofy stories about and there I was. Um, it's really just about having empathy for what students are going through, and I always tell them that I remember what it was like when I was 17 or 18 year old, 18 years old as a high school kid going to visit college coaches and college programs, just the uncertainty and how do you make a decision? And so um, I, I try to let them know everything's going to be okay. Keep up your good study habits from high school. Those will pay off as you're balancing life on the field or on the ice uh, with, with life in the classroom. And, uh, and just to try to have that sense of empathy and that they have an amazing coaching staff and amazing teammates here at UND that will look out for them and their well-being. Well, I know we're lucky to have you and we're lucky to have all the students are lucky to have you on campus, not just student athletes. And uh, at the end of the day, um, we try to do our best to represent uh, the institution as best as we can. And uh, you don't win them all. But at the end of the day, you try to do what's right. Absolutely. And uh, do it with character. Do it with character. So so well done to you and the coaching staff. Well, appreciate you joining the pod, Andy, for sure. And uh, I know a debut, Alex. I mean, holy cow! I mean, we have had some folks that have been on, you know, multi-timer. So we'll see. We'll see if that goes. Well, I think I think pod one was a success, a successful debut. Andy, we appreciate so much the time. Awesome experience. Thanks so much. So great to have Dr. Armacost on uh, to get his perspective on this convention, on where the NCAA stands, on the university as a whole. He's he's been a phenomenal president. He's now in his fourth year. He was he came on board back in 2020. Such a great guy with a heart for students and education. It it was great to have him on to hear those perspectives. Yeah, not pandering by any stretch uh, since he's my boss. He's my direct boss. But <laughs> at the end of the day, best president I've worked with and for. I mean, it's just mm. that I've been at seven institutions. I've seen a lot of presidents over the course of my time. And I, I think it's really simple in some ways, but it's not, it, it's, uh, you don't hear it much from presidents, especially when it comes to, when it comes to uh, athletics, it's, it, it, he just says he wants excellence across the board at the university. It's a simple statement, but it includes everybody to have to walk in every day going, how can I make our area, our division, as good as it can be for the greater good in the University of North Dakota. And that should be the same for the registrar's office, student health, wellness, um, all of our academic areas, of course. But I mean, that that's simple. It seems like a simple statement, but I've not found many presidents that are either able or willing to say it. He's certainly someone that lives out those convictions. And obviously, 30 years in the military help that, of course, that just every day getting up, you have your tasks, you have to do it to the best of your ability, because that's the most important thing to try and press forward. But he's um, he's a special guy, Midwest guy. Awesome to have him at the University of North Dakota and awesome to have him and you again leading that charge in these big settings like you just experienced in Phoenix two weeks ago to have a good voice a good voice for reason that I think people around here really appreciate. And, and we understand the voice that the University of North Dakota will have among, let's just say, the 360 Division One schools. I mean, I we get that, but but it, but you have to pick your spots a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you also have to make sure you're heard, because uh, you know even you know his 
his description of what transpired with the Knight Commission is accurate. Like that's a group that is analyzing intercollegiate athletics at the division one level, but continue to use the term 32, 32, 32. Well, 32 conferences, nah, that's actually not correct. And so, so that's almost, we're so big in some ways that even our vernacular inside, inside baseball or behind the curtain sometimes is interesting. So then you wonder what happens when it gets out into the general public. And what do you actually want to say about what's transpired? It's just interesting. I, it, but we're in a moment. We're we're definitely be we're we're in a disruption moment to where we get to the next. I think iteration where it will sustain for a period of time. We're going to have intercollegiate athletics now. What it actually looks like, I just think it's still up for debate. Yeah, well, it sounds like it coming out of the convention, and as we expected, yeah, not yeah. surprising that that's nope. the case. We just hope, yes, that continue conversations happen and that we can keep trying to keep this going, keep that's this right. going in the right way, but maybe in a different way that's better for everybody. Well, I think we can so. spin we can spin the future plate, but we also have the today plate too. Yep. And mm-hmm. then we just continue to do on the, the things that we think are right today, but we with an eye towards what do we think is around the corner. Well, we know right around the corner for UND Athletics, there's a lot going on. You've yep. got hockey and basketball very much in the midst of conference seasons. We've got indoor track and field and men's and women's tennis and softball getting set to launch. So lots of stuff to talk about. We'll put the convention aside and dig into UND stuff. And let, let's start with hockey because obviously right now that's – we're in it right now. And North Dakota is coming off another successful weekend on the road against the league leaders at the time, St. Cloud State, with the win and a tie – been a good start to the second half of the season for Bradbury and company. They're still unbeaten since the start of November in terms of regulation yeah. games. Bill, what have you seen from this group in recent weeks as they continue to plow on in the NCHC race? Yeah, I think they're, uh, you know, every team goes through some things throughout the year. And I think right now we're kind of in that grind mode a little bit right now. You know, we've had a couple, uh, you know, you know, two weeks ago, uh, Ludwig uh, came down with uh, an illness. And, you know, you can imagine in close quarters to some degree that not maybe everyone is 100 percent at all times. And so I think we're kind of we're, you know, we're battling that a little bit at this stage of the game. But I thought the guys played well on the big ice sheet uh, in St. Cloud. And, you know, I just think the way, you know, it's almost like playing at Fenway for 81 games, you're going to tailor your team towards playing there 81 times. Of course, you're going to tailor your team if you're St. Cloud to play on the big ice sheet. And so I thought we played very well on Friday night. And uh, you know what? We found a way to get a point on Saturday where I think, you know, St. Cloud was on the front foot most of the night. And and so we still found a way to come back three different times to tie the game. So I thought that was impressive. Um, so, you know, encouraging. And then obviously in this league, it never gets easier, but it really doesn't get easier this week. So, uh, it, <laughs> no. but, but it'll be exciting. No, it It'd be exciting. Yeah. It, it should be a phenomenal series coming up. Denver coming to town. Who's currently number four in the country, uh, just right behind UND in the pairwise. They're on a seven-game unbeaten run, uh, 6-0-1 in their last seven, and there they are the top-scoring team in the country. These two, of course, played a very memorable series at the beginning of December out in Magnus Arena in North Dakota with a 7-5 wild comeback win on Friday, and then a, another classic 3-2 overtime game on Saturday. So I, if we have even close to the heights of those two games this coming weekend, everybody's going to be in for a treat. should be really fun hockey at the Ralph. Yeah, I, I I mean I think that's right, and I expect nothing less than two outstanding games, and uh, our guys will be ready. They'll be excited for it, and I know the Ralph will be jumping. So uh, no doubt about it. Should should be a lot of fun. Yeah. By the way, just to go back to that St. Cloud series, the fact that they did earn that tie on Saturday mm-hmm. means you not just split the pairwise points, but North Dakota gets a little extra bump because it was a road game. Yeah. So you win a road game and you get a tie versus a loss. And now they they find themselves at number three in the pairwise. Yeah. Which if the season ended today, that'd be a number one seed, which is which is huge. Those things are really really important. Yeah. You know, what's your perspective right now? I I mean, you're able to be on the road a little bit. You're seeing some other teams as well, mm-hmm. and I know you watch a lot of a lot of games um, uh, beyond our league as well. It feels to me right now there's about a dozen teams in the country right now that are somewhat. I would say in a bucket that, that, you know, they they could go on a five game run. I I mean, I'll say one way or the other, 
And at the end, you know, you just never know. I mean, it's just some, some, it's, it feels like an interesting year to me. It really does. And it does seem like that in each conference, you've sort of got three or four teams really across the Big Ten and CHC Hockey East, especially. But then even if ECAC, there are a lot of teams, as you said, a dozen or so, that you would not be surprised if they won the whole thing. And some perhaps have maybe just slightly better credentials. You think of the BCs and the BUs and where UND and Denver are. Wisconsin, Michigan State, etc. But that doesn't mean that it seemed like Michigan that is currently like 14th in the pairwise doesn't have what it takes to get hot and be right there in the end. That's right. And same thing with like, you know, with the Western Michigan or with the St. Cloud State team we just saw last weekend. The the tools are pretty good. Like there's there's a lot of really standout teams around Maine in Hockey East. Colorado Colorado College. College, I just got to see them last weekend. Like that team has the capability with a hot goalie and more depth in the forward spots and experience in defense. You just don't know who's going to get hot at the right time. It's neat though to look at the NCHC and see potentially like six teams are still in the hunt to be at largest. Like we're in that boat right now. The league is really, really good. And that's obviously not all six will probably get in, of course, because you'll beat yourself up a little bit. But that's just an indicator of what UND is going to have to go through the rest of the way. And obviously, it starts with Denver. Then they have to go to Miami, who's a lot better than they were when we saw them the first time. That's right. And then a little bit of a break. You get an open week in there and then back on the road. So it'll be an interesting road to see who can step up, who's going to get hot, and what the final picture looks like when we get to the end of March. That's right. And I I think, you know, if we want to be in cliche mode, one one game at a time, but truly that's what it is. And because they're all going to be difficult moving forward and they all have been difficult. And so they'll continue (laughs) to be difficult moving forward. But, you know, I think, you know, having um, having had played having played uh, Hobie a little bit, I think that helps the team. So I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, the journey has been good. But, you know, I still think, you know, um, if if someone is going to, you know, raise a trophy eventually at, at the end in April, they're going to have to be probably really healthy and, and somehow then get back to that apex and play at their best. Yeah, well, it's a really big stretch coming up, as you said, with UND's quest for another Penrose Cup. Essentially in their own hands. They control yep. their own destiny now. And not that they didn't necessarily before, but the weekend in St. Cloud ensured that, hey, if you win out, no one's going to catch you and you're going to be lifting a trophy again at season's end. So, but a big and a big one at, against Denver coming up this weekend, a team that's just three points back in the Penrose Cup race. So be sure to get to the Ralph. It's a 730 start on Friday because yep. of some national television connections, whatever you want to, obligations, maybe that's the better word. And then the normal six o'clock start on Saturday. So get to the Ralph and enjoy that one. It's going to be fun. great. It'll be great. Yep. Men's and women's hoops also very much in the middle of their conference season. Both teams on a bit of an upswing. Both yeah. kind of had maybe difficult starts at the beginning of conference mm-hmm. play, but we've seen now the men have won three in a row. The yep. women have won three of their last four, three and three, right in the midst of, of two races that feel pretty wide open. Oh, I, I was looking at the standings, Alex. I know. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what. There's a couple things going on. Um, I think you could have as many as seven different teams on probably both genders that could make a run in Sioux Falls. I, I yeah. think ultimately the way it's played out right now with nine teams and you're playing the 8-9 game – I think it'll be difficult for the eight, nine team to have to play the extra game and then have to head in and play the top seed. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I, I do think and that's why I kind of use seven, but if you're in the, that top seven and you've got three games, I'm, I'm telling you what it feels to me at this stage of the game, it's, it's really wide open. It is about how teams are progressing at this point. And I, you're right. I are on both sides. Our men kind of, I don't know, they, they kind of got off to a really good start non-conference-wise. Had someone come in, Tyree, who was going to earn a lot of minutes at some point in time. They almost had to re-kind of figure themselves out to some mm-hmm. degree. And I think we're, we've kind of gotten through that piece of the puzzle. And now roles are starting to really solidify and identify. I think the women on the same thing. You know, we didn't have Casey or Nakaya really to start the year together. And so that for Mm -hmm. the first month of the year, we didn't have those two. And, and, And let's face facts. I mean, if you're going to need a bucket at some point in time, it's probably going to be probably from one of those two. Mm hmm. 
And so when you didn't have them, I just think there was a lot going on. And I think where we've stabilized a little bit over the last couple of weeks is on the defensive side of the uh, court. I mean, I think our defensive end has been much, much better. And that has now led to, you know, us playing better on the offensive side. Now, obviously we had way too many turnovers at Oral Roberts. And I, as, as coach Bernhardt said, you know, I, we just didn't handle the blitz really well. And so we, we have got to do a better job with that. Uh, and certainly that's something, uh, you know, they, they play different than other teams, but we have to be able to handle that better. And that's something that this team's got to keep growing. I thought it was great that they responded from that, though. And that, that was a close game again at half on the road. And Oral Roberts has won. I don't know how many games in a row they've won at the maybe center. But that's a very good team. They're number two in the summer yeah, league right I, now. Yeah, they are good. Yep. But you but you lose that game, and then you got to go to Denver. And again, Denver is better this season. And to go out and get the job done at altitude against a good Pioneers team after that loss, that was that was a big one, I think, for this group to get to 500 now in conference play instead of being two and four. And now you get three in a row at home. Not easy games. Nope. They got St. Thomas, then a big one against USD and NDSU the following weekends. Yep. Uh, the NDSU game, by the way, is part of a doubleheader, which we're going to talk about. But it, it gives yourself a chance now, potentially, to get on a bit of a roll now, coming back home. And then Omaha and KC, two teams that UND just had beaten coming up after that. You never know. It's just good signs for both the women and the men right now. Yeah, I think so. I and you know, I thought the second quarter uh, in Denver was uh, obviously critical. I we got off to kind of a really slow start. I mean, boy, I think we had a bucket for about you know eight minutes of the first quarter, and uh, but found a way to play good defense. So we they didn't run away from us at that point in time. We kind of kept it, you know, we kept it in uh, in in. Uh, hailing distance, so to speak. And then we, we found a way once we got our groove, then of course, obviously the third quarter we scored 30, 31 points or whatever. But the reality was it, it, it second quarter was incredibly helpful because we got to the locker room and basically said, all right, well, whatever that first quarter was, here's where we are right now. We got, let's go second half, 20 more minutes. Let's go. Yeah. That's amazing how you can just be able to survive some of those yeah, lulls. That's We've fair. seen that in the league. NDSU the other day, their women had, and I think they scored a field goal in the first quarter. Like it was, you were scoreless for the first nine minutes of the game. And they're able, against a good team, and they were able to overcome that because they kept within touching distance, yep. played good defense, and they came out with the win. So it's a, uh, yeah, big week ahead, of course. Again, St. Thomas for the women yep. at home on the 27th, the men in St. Paul. And then that following week, South Dakota and then North Dakota State, the 3rd of February, a 1 o'clock women's game, a 3.30 men's game against yep. the Bison. Yep. Give us the, the background behind how you were able to make that work with the doubleheader with the Bison. Yeah, it, really, really simple. So Eric Martinson, myself, Todd Phelps, the Eric Martinson of NDSU, and Matt Larson, my counterpart at NDSU, we literally just got on Zoom. And we just said, hey, we know this is a year by year proposition. You know, there's going to be some years where we what we don't want to happen is what happened a couple of years ago where we were playing exactly at the same time in two different mm -hmm. locations. That that obviously was a, a complete utter miss on, on our part. But at the end of the day, we just know that it's it this this might work out this year like this or we might have to do what we did last year and maybe go like Friday, Saturday. So it just happened to work out better for us to do a double header this year. That, and that that's as simple as it gets. I mean, I, I it's, 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 it's no more than that other than the fact that it's kind of cool. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think people are good either way, as long as it's not on top of each other. Yeah, no, that's well said. I think people are excited because it does it does have a little bit of a bigger yeah. feel when you do have both of the games. Obviously, they both are going to matter greatly in the standings. It's obviously a great rivalry, and, and it will throw us back to the old days. We've got to be a bit sensitive to what their wrestling program's doing, and they have to be sensitive to what our hockey program's doing. So hockey's on the road that weekend. It just worked out for us. So um, if hockey's at home, it's not going to work out at that point in time. So we just, that's why I'm saying it's an annual year by year proposition. But I think with at least these two administrations right now, we have a good working relationship and we know that we need to benefit our one, our, our, our fan bases and our universities, the state, honestly, uh, and our student athletes. Right. So at the end of the day, I do think both teams will love having the games, you know, uh, a double header so that they can support each other as well. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. So the 3rd of February, 1 o'clock for the women, 3.30 for the men, UND, North Dakota, at the Betty. Probably should be there for those games or watch them on Midco Sports, but probably try and be there. Indoor track and field got going again. Uh, split squad in Brookings and in Moorhead, 12 individual titles at those two competitions. They'll be hosting coming up this weekend. The Fritz Pollard Center will have the UND Open while half the group will be out in Seattle at the University of Washington invite. Fun to see those events begin to pick up with the conference championships coming up in Fargo at the end of February. It's crazy, but it's such a, it's such a truncated season, the indoor season, and they're off. And it is. Already. It is. And I, you know, Coach Varenkamp and, and our coaching staff do a great job. They they make sure and try to provide opportunities, even multiple opportunities on a weekend. So uh, just, you know, track is a little bit different. There's There's different invites different things that you can go to depending upon i i would say where you are in the spectrum of of trying to perform so uh so at the end of the day yep so we do have some folks coming uh in town and i think weather should be good so we should be in great shape yeah it looks like 30s beautiful yeah. you can't come on can't complain about that oh. and it's indoors so come out and watch if you want to check out some track and field oh yeah it's an olympic year so get get in the field paris not that far away this is a great little little nugget to get excited about that. Uh, tennis also underway. Men's and women's competing uh, at various competitions around the country in Montana, in Colorado. Uh, the men were supposed to go to the South this past weekend, but was rescheduled because of weather. They'll be off to Chicago. The women over to the Twin Cities in Milwaukee. It's that time of year. You're just kind of bouncing around. The men do, by the way, though, I wanted to mention, do have some home competitions coming up the weekend of the 3rd and 4th. They'll play Gustavus, Adolphus, Lindenwood, and Idaho at choice. So that's kind of fun that they, yep. the lone island of home meets while everybody else is kind of traveling around for the start of the year. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a good environment at Choice Health Health and Fitness. And if you haven't been over there, it's uh, the price is right. It's free. Um, just come over. Just go upstairs. Uh, you get a uh, opportunity to overlook all six courts. Uh, there's a great great uh, scoreboard that keeps you apprised of what's going on at every court so it really it really is awesome so coach boyson does a great job and it's a it's a lot of fun actually over there it's kind of davis cupish so it's great yeah. the timing of this is so good because if you've been staying up late to watch the australian open here's your chance to kind of go and see some of this in person if you've been enjoying yep. what's happening down in melbourne you don't have to you can, you can go and see this right in front of your face here in grand forks it's great That's love right. the tennis it's the, fifth, the tennis. fifth major yep that's right. <laughs> the happy slam here in Grand Forks. One football note, we have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, former Grand Forks Central and, and UND quarterback Jake Landry coming back after a stint at St. Thomas as the OC there. And Jake obviously has coached all over the country yep. at all sorts of levels and has gotten a ton of experience. It's great to welcome him back to the fold. Yeah, it is. Um, I talked to him on the phone last week, uh, and he had said that uh, it was almost to the day he accepted the job, and it was like uh, almost to the day where he had committed to to UND. And um, yeah, I just just a neat story. And like I said, he's a tremendous athlete here. I think three sport athlete at Grand Forks Central, and uh, his dad coached with Mike Berg. And I, it just yeah, I, it, a lot of connections. Uh, he'll come in and you know give us. A, maybe a fresh look too, right? Like, I mean, it's awesome. He's going to come in, kind of understand the history of of where this program has been, where it is right now. But I can also look at some things that have he's been a part of and gotten his fingerprints over. Um, and he called plays the last couple of years with uh, St. Thomas, and they had a nice run in the Pioneer League. So, anyways, all that to be said, we're excited about having Jake here. I know, uh, I know the team is so uh, should be a lot of fun. If you want a little more info, Tom Miller has the story in the Grand Forks Yard. You got to check that out. Really cool read on Jake and also what his offensive philosophy is going to be. Yep. Beefing up the offensive line. Got to yep. win the games in the trenches. That's Jake's philosophy. So it should be fun to see what he does with this Fighting Hawks offense. I think that's all we got from a UND perspective, NCAA perspective. Bill, you want to flip? Yeah, let's let's do a quick flip. The only thing I've got really outside of the normal soccer talk is soccer has been, it's been a funny thing. The EPL did this split week where, where the match day got separated into two and the Africa Cup of Nations is going on and there's the Asian Cup. So it kind of feels like we're kind of in that slow grind. These are the dog days, essentially. January feels like the dog days for soccer, just like August is the dog days for Major League Baseball. Yep. So we're not, not too much to chat about really in that regard. The NFL, it is not, of course, the dog days. We just got done essentially with the quarterfinals. Semis coming up this weekend, conference championship games. 
Baltimore versus KC, San Francisco, Detroit. What do you make of the final four who were left standing, Bill? Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought San Francisco escaped. I mean, they mm. uh, they easily easily could have uh, found themselves on the on the losing end, but they found a way. Uh, which sometimes you know that's that's sometimes when when a team loses or, or is going to lose, sometimes that's their game to lose. And who knows? So I, I think they'll play better this week. I really, really do. I mean, it's hard not to root for the Lions. I mean, I, how, how could you not? I mean, really? I mean, at the end of the day, such a great story. It's yeah, a great a story. story. It's a great story. So, um, but you know, I, I think, I think it's chalk. I think it's San Francisco, Baltimore. I, I Baltimore's been the best team all year, really. I mean, I certainly since October. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty much the only team they can't beat are the Steelers, ultimately. But at the end, <laughs> truly, I mean, it's crazy. Like, the Steelers have been like six out of seven or something against them. But uh, now, again, they didn't play any of their players the last week of the season. So let's not get crazy. But uh, um, I, I don't know. I think Baltimore, San Francisco. I, I mean, I think I, I hate to be boring, but I, I feel like that's what it's going to be. It feels hard to pick against that. I think certainly from a Detroit perspective, it's a big ask to go out to camp. Like you've kind of had these two wins. Can you can you ask them to go do one more against a team that is clearly superior in terms of talent and maybe coaching scheme? But the Baltimore KC game could be interesting though. Like that Kansas City Buffalo game was was really entertaining yep. and fun to watch. And it does kind of feel like the Chiefs have maybe figured something out after really struggling for the majority of the season. It looked for the first time especially in the first three quarters of that game in Buffalo. I agree. That this was the Chiefs that we had seen the I last agree. couple of years I agree. consistently be a Super Bowl threat. So they, 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 could, they could maybe pull something off. You know, the, the other thing is you would think they, they've just been there so much now that they're yeah. just their experience is, is, is not – there seems like there's no moment too big for them to some degree. And Mahomes is really good. He's special. So, um, yeah, I, I just think Baltimore, um, this is their year. It should be. It should be San Francisco's year. It should be Baltimore's year. I mean, the way – the way the NFL is done, I, I didn't think I would like it as much, and I actually do. I, I, I think having – With the seven-seam yeah, playoff and the I one do. seam getting the ball. I, I think I'm good with it. I, I, I think when it was the other way and the second team got the bye, that was probably too much benefit for finishing mm-hmm. second. And now you really have to finish first to get the benefit, and you should get the benefit. You've earned it. Why not have a little advantage over everybody else? I think so. That'll be one curious thing to track. How often does the team with the lone buy from each conference make it to the Super Bowl? Yep. How much of an advantage is that? Yep. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it shakes out this weekend. So two, should, be, should be two pretty Yeah, and games. there's always two things going on there I, I, because I, my Steelers have lost a lot of semifinal games. All four teams are good at that point or they're all playing yeah. well. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, if Baltimore doesn't come out and, you know, if they, if, if Jackson can't figure things out, he fumbles, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they could obviously lose. I just, I just like, I would go with both home teams. Yeah. At this point, I would, I would agree with you. Too. So, so the last thing is, uh, here's the last thing. It's kind of an A, A, B topic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's flip down. Brad Schlossman wrote a, a really good article, I think on, on, uh, hockey playoffs you know what's interesting alex I, and again i i think the conversation needs to be had hopefully it will be had you know i i stare at it and i'm going hmm oh the nfl plays at home yeah <laughs> oh oh you know what i mean like like the nba plays at home you know I, it just it's it next year when when well, the FBS playoffs FBS expands, football. they're going to they play, play at home. home. They will play at home sites for that first round. Or the, is it the first two rounds? And I then they go so. to the bowl. System. I, I think, think it's the first so. two rounds. Yeah. Obviously, FCS plays at home all the way up until the championship. Women's game. basketball. I was at Baylor in 04 to 07. Pretty good little run that won a national title in 05. Played in Tucson at a regional when it was uh, kind of got the hockey thing going to the, some the degree. The old format. Mm-hmm. No one was there. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, to me, that's such a miss uh, on on the ability to excite the fan that is uh, channel surfing or whatever you want to call it these days. Mm-hmm. It's not about the people that already watch hockey, college <laughs> hockey. It's about actually the folks that don't watch college hockey. That That's actually what you're trying to get brought in. But I'll tell you what, you're not bringing them in if it's a dead arena. Yeah, it, it makes such a difference. Like that atmosphere piece, 
it's not the reason you watch, but it certainly makes everything around the spectacle heightens. And, and it, I think it elevates the viewing experience, not to say nothing of what it does for the student athletes and their experience. Oh, their experience. And the memories they make. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent better. You got, got listen, you, you have a chance to make an unbelievable experience of memory. Like you said, by beating someone at their place, which silencing mm-hmm. a crowd, it, it, there's not a better memory than that. I mean, ultimately. And the other thing we lose through all of this too, our student bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all go to the Ralph games with the students and without the students. It's a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It know? makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, so a- I, I, I haven't seen a strong argument why this shouldn't happen yet. And, and there have been some arguments online of people trying to make counterpoints. And some of them are like, there are some valid things like, oh, we have to figure some stuff out, but you, you figure it out. Like you, you just you we figure did some of those little things out. We yeah. did COVID. We, <laughs> we, 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 we changed schedules literally on the fly. It yeah. can happen. And then the other thing is, and I, I would say, I, I tried to think through what the most important message for me is, is we need to sell all the tickets. Yeah, we if it, we we should not have an unsold ticket for that tournament. And right now we do. So to me, I, it, something is not clicking then. So so mm-hmm. how, why not try something else? Uh, well, this is the opportunity. It's a rule change year. Got to make it happen. And again, obviously, they're going to bid out for the next. I think it's the 27, 28 regionals are coming up. Everything's set until 2026, but then there's an opportunity after that. And those are happening this year. So if you're going to make a change, this would be a great time to yep. think about instituting that. And I hope that they get, I hope that they look at what Brad has had to say and see the dialogue around this and make that change. Last 30 seconds because we have a hard out. Okay. Darren Looker, color analyst on the road and uh, a PA announcer at home. Mm-hmm. I love three on three so much. Uh, what about three on three for five minutes, no matter what? Mm. In the Dave Starman world of all you can eat, mm-hmm. I would be better with that than not because that's not bad. Things get can get weird and awkward in, in those three on threes. But if you knew you had five minutes, regardless if you give up a goal in the first minute then maybe I could buy into that more than what we're doing right now. And that was Lux's idea. That's not bad. That's actually, that's pretty good. That's a good compromise. You still get the excitement and the uh, the back and forth, but it's not sudden death. I don't mind that. Yeah, I, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I mean, right. food for thought, food for thought. Food for thought. We'll allow our audience to mull that over. As mull we get ready mull for it over, and I know you'll be here in the arena on uh, Friday, and uh, maybe you'll squeeze that in and see what, see what Dave thinks of that one. See, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. Why? For Bill Chaves, for President Andy Armacost, uh, for our behind-the-scenes crew, Paul Ralston and Alex Stocker-Johnson. I'm Alec Kiner. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you soon.